0: You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. This is a series of conferences given by Father Thomas Asher of the Society of St. Pius X on the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's meant to be seen as a private retreat, a retreat that you can do while you're sheltering in place or at your house, perhaps with some extra time. For more conferences, resources, such as downloadable uh, instructions and information about Holy Week, as well as live mass times, please visit corona.sspx.online. Or for all of our conferences, please visit sspxpodcast.com. Now here's Father Asher. So in this conference, we're going to be considering our Lord's resurrection and rather than look at um, any one particular gospel, because all the gospels, all four obviously recounted, and all four have multiple apparitions of our Lord after he rose from the tomb. We have him um, there with the women at the tomb, another time with, with Mary Magdalene alone. We have the angels appearing and announcing, of course, our Lord's resurrection. We have the women going to inform the apostles. Later, Peter and John are going to run to the tomb. Um, and then later, of course, our Lord appearing to Mary Magdalene. Um, then we have the testimony, obviously, of the, the guards to the chief priest. We have the disciples on the road to mouse and their, their return to Jerusalem and reporting to the apostles what they've seen and heard. And then Jesus, of course, appearing to the, to the apostles without Thomas. And then later again, of course, with the, with the eleven there with Thomas present, his appearance. And then later, uh, of course, our Lord's appearance in Galilee, where he founds the apostolic church. Um, and then the commission of the apostles um, to go and, and teach all nations. Um, and then the last instructions of Jesus, and then finally his ascension into heaven. In the gospel, we read of the, the empty tomb. We read of our Lord appearing and conversing with and eating with, taking taking food with the apostles. But we don't have any any description of Um, his actual physical resurrection from the dead, even though it was a true physical resurrection, which is obvious from reading the accounts in the Gospels. Um, And so what I would like to do is maybe approach this from a different angle, more of a, this might be more of an Ignatian um, style, where we'll have some some points to our meditation for us to reflect upon. Um, And we'll take everything that we consider, we'll take it from the Gospels themselves, but again, without meditating necessarily on a particular verse. Now, all of those various events that I, that I read off to you, you can go back and, and visit those, um, obviously, on your own, taking one of those passages um, and meditating on it line by line. But in this um, meditation, um, I want to give you three points, three things to consider, and we'll talk about each of these. We're going to consider first, to whom our Lord appeared, and then we're going to consider secondly, how he appeared. And then finally, we're gonna we're gonna ask why he appeared. What was the, what was the reason that he appeared? And then again, in, in all of that, we're trying to um, consider what instruction we might gain and, and what application we might make in our in our own life. So to begin, let's recall kind of the history of the event. We know, of course, that our Lord was crucified. That he expired there on the cross, that he died, the Roman soldiers making sure of it by piercing his side with a lance. We know that Joseph of Arimathea, he went and and asked uh, Pilate for the body of our Lord. We know that he and Nicodemus, of course, removed the body from the cross and then um, took it to a, a new tomb, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And there our Lord was buried with our, our blessed mother, arranging him in the tomb with her own hands. We know, of course, that it was a true death. Our Lord, I and mean, that's, that's really amazing. You know, God can't die. And yet on Good Friday, we can say that God died. And we can say that because, of course, of the human nature that God united to himself uh, in the person of the word, in the person of our Lord, um, it was a true death. When, when we die, our body and soul are separated. And of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, he breathed forth his spirit, his soul separated from his body. And it descended, we say in the creed that it descended into hell. But of course, we, we understand by that that it went to the place of the dead, the limbo of the fathers or the bosom of Abraham, however we might want to label it. But it was the place where the just from the Old Testament were detained because the gates of heaven, of course, were closed until the, until the Messiah would come and redeem them. And he announces there um, his victory. We can imagine, you know, that's that's a whole other meditation. Just meditating on all those, those beautiful souls there and their longing for, for years, for decades, for centuries, for millennia. And then one day, of course, our Lord coming and, and appearing. And imagine, you know, of course, the joy that must have flooded their souls when he announces that you know very soon we will we will be entering you know into my father's house we you know they will be receiving the beatific vision which had been denied them of course for, for so long so our lord is there with them for for 3 days or for part of 3 days at the very least and then at some point of course his soul is going to go and reunite itself with the body and our lord is going to live again and he's going to appear to many um, so the grace, I would say that we're looking for here is really the grace to participate in the joy of our Lord and the joy of the blessed Virgin Mary, um, in this victory, you know, joy is that, that, uh, passion that's going to make us generous. You know, when we're joyful, we're, we're, we're ready to, to slay dragons. We're ready to do great things. And then of course, when we're sad, you know, it, as we said before, it, It tends to debilitate us. And so we really want this joy um, that our Lord has promised us, this joy that the world cannot take from us. So let's look at the first point and consider firstly to whom our Lord appeared. Now, it's generally agreed that he appeared first to his blessed mother on account of her dignity. um, And also because she participated, we can say, the most in the sorrows and in the opprobrium of his passion. And by that, we might say that we're taught that we will participate in the consolations of God in proportion to our constancy in suffering with him and and for his love. Now, it's not mentioned in the Gospels that our our Lord went to to see first his Blessed Mother. Um, Our Lord did confide to St. Teresa of Avila that he had to spend a very long time um, on Sunday morning, on, on Easter morning, consoling his Blessed Mother I read recently, you know, uh, one theologian, or I forget who it was that was writing, um, he speculated that our Lord gave um, his Blessed Mother a vision of his glorified soul, you know, the the glory of his soul to to make her joyful, to pull her up out of the, the depths of sorrow in which her heart had been steeped. Now, after, of course, appearing to his Blessed Mother, um we see that he goes not to the apostles. Remember the apostles had abandoned him; they had they had fled, and with the exception of St. John, they were really nowhere to be seen um, during our Lord's passion. Now th- he's going to appear again not to the apostles but to these holy women, to these simple, fervent souls who, even before the sun is up, you know they're they're on their way to the tomb. Remember the the burial of our Lord, it was uh, something of a rush job. The Sabbath was upon them. They only had till 6 p.m. to get our Lord buried and to get home in order not to violate the Sabbath. And so they, this morning or the Easter morning, they bought more linen and they bought more spices. And they're going to go back and finish the job. And we're told that it's before the sun is even up. And it's interesting because, of course, they're halfway there. Um, in their zeal before it dawns on them, oh, wait a minute, you know, what about that big rock? You know, we see a real, a real fervor, a real simplicity, a real love, but maybe not the best planning. But it is to these women that our Lord will appear. And by this, I would say that we're taught that it is to, to simple and to fervent souls that our Lord is pleased to communicate himself. Going back for a moment to our blessed mother Notice that she's not out before dawn running around with the holy women, you know, going back to the tomb and and, and going back to, you know, finish the burial of our Lord. Her attitude is rather to, to sit and to wait. I mean, her faith is solid. She knows that our Lord is going to rise and she is not out rushing around trying to find him. Her attitude would have been he knows where I am and when he is ready, he will come. We see that in, you know, all of our trials and sorrows. And remember, she's she's terribly, terribly sorrowful right now. I mean, she's been separated. She's endured this traumatic uh, event of watching her son murdered. And she is content, though, to wait. And in God's time, he will bring his consolation. That's certainly a very good lesson for, for all of us. Our Lord later is going to appear to the disciples, as we said, on the road to a mouse, these two Two disciples going along sorrowing, and our Lord attaches himself to them and, and speaks with them along the way. And uh, we'll come back to them maybe a little bit later. And then finally, of course, our Lord is going to appear to the apostles, um, but it's only after Peter and John have merited this grace by going in search of him. Remember, Mary Magdalene came and and told them, you know, that, that he was risen. And Peter and John, we have this beautiful account of the two of them running to the tomb, and of course, this young 18 year old you know physically fit John is is running ahead and Peter's you know uh, kind of coughing and wheezing and hacking you know behind the old man. Um, John comes to the tomb and he doesn't go in out of respect you know for uh, for the for the Holy Father for for the Pope um, and then Peter comes and goes barreling right in without stopping you know another another example of Peter and his precipitation. And they see the empty tomb and they see the linens folded up there where Jesus had been laid. And we're told that seeing, they believe. Now, they've gone in search of him. And then they go back to the cenacle, to the, to the upper room where they're waiting. And there with the doors locked, our Lord is going to come and he's going to appear to them. Now, let's consider secondly, then, how our Lord appears. Now, we can say that the unifying theme throughout all of the apparitions uh, of our Lord to to those to whom he appeared um, is that these apparitions brought joy and consolations um, to the souls of those to whom our Lord appeared. We think of, of, you know, Mary. We think of Peter. We think of the disciples, as I said, on the road to a mouse. Remember, he's speaking to them and he's explaining to them that, okay, why are you sad? I mean, wasn't it? necessary that the Messiah suffer. And he goes back and he, and he and he explains to them all of the scriptures and all of the prophecies. And he's telling them effectively that it's only through the cross that we are going to attain to glory. And so if the Messiah was going to have this glory, if he was going to redeem us, if he was going to have this victory, well, then obviously there had to be these crosses. And then, of course, they come to the, to the inn of where they're going to be staying. And this is seven or eight miles, you know, the you know, a day or a half a day's journey from Jerusalem. And he makes to go on and they say, well, why don't you stay? And of course, they they don't recognize our Lord this whole time. But then we're told that they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And immediately our Lord disappears. And the, and these two disciples, you know, and they they remonstrate with one another, you know, was not your heart burning within you, you know, when he was speaking to us on the road. And they are so overcome with joy. Remember how I said joy makes us um, ready to take on anything, they travel the whole day or half day's journey back to Jerusalem to share with the, uh, the apostles what they've seen. And of course, on their arrival, they're told that, yes, we know he, is, he has appeared um, to Peter. We know that he's risen. And then while they are there, our Lord comes and he stands in the midst. And John tells us, uh, chapter 20, verse 20, that the disciples the disciples then were glad when they saw the Lord. And this joy and this peace and this consolation, we can say, it's by this that we recognize the signs of the presence of our Lord. We recognize the signs um, of the presence of our, of our guardian angel, of the good spirit, um, the action of the good spirit in our souls. It is, it is one of peace, joy, calm, resignation. And the presence of the evil spirit is just the opposite. He he announces himself, we can say, with obscurity, with trouble, with depression and agitation. Whereas, again, the good spirit brings light and peace and interior consolation. And we should remember, too, that to lose these consolations, it's enough to bestow um, too much of our thoughts, too much of our affection, too much of our heart on exterior things, all right? Seeking first the kingdom of God. And his glory and everything else then will come to us. Lastly, then let's reflect upon why our Lord appeared. Now, the first reason we might say that our Lord appears is to strengthen the apostles' faith, which was still very much hesitating. You know, they have they believed in him, they professed their faith in him, and yet seeing his weakness, their faith was shaken. They saw him who they believed was the salvation of Israel, the the Messiah, the Chosen One, you know, even the Son of God, the true Son of God, they saw him apparently weak, apparently helpless, you know, arrested, beaten, scourged, crucified, died, buried. Um, their faith was really um, in a state of upheaval. And, of course, our Lord then comes to strengthen that faith. You know, they, they, our Lord did not have to appear, for example, you know, to the apostles, you know, he could have left them simply with the testimony of the holy women. And yet our Lord in his goodness, he comes to strengthen their faith. The second reason that we're going to say that he He appears, you know, the second why, is to prepare them for a long separation. You know, our Lord, he's been with him these, these years of his public ministry. He's going to be with him these 40 days on and off, you know, a- after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven. Um, but they are not always going to have the consolation of his physical presence. And so our Lord is there consoling them and preparing them then for the time when he won't be with them. And I'm doing this conference right now in the, the, uh, you know, the Corona crisis of 2020. And of course, we're all sheltering in place. We're all cut off from the mass and the sacraments and, and the uh, the normal channels of grace. We're, we're forced like the apostles to hide, you know, in our homes, so to speak. Um, and we have been forced to endure a, a long separation from the sacramental consolations that, that God gives us. And hopefully, you know, when, when things go back to normal, we will have that consolation again. And yet we will be able to use them then to prepare us for the next time that this happens, because unfortunately, this probably is not the last time that, that we're going to be deprived of uh, of the sacraments. You know, you think about um, in the history of the church during times of persecution, how many times the church was forced to go underground. We think about the Japanese Catholics that, you know, 250 years or more without the mass, without Holy Communion, you know, being forced to rely on spiritual communions, on their holy rosary, on the on the devotions that they had. We too can be uh, separated from God, you know, separated from what is familiar to us. And our, and our Lord, um, again, he gives us those consolations precisely to prepare us for the times of separation or desolation. Lastly then, our Lord appears to them to animate them to a spirit of sacrifice. Our Lord soon is going to um, send them out to the four corners of the world to go and to preach the gospel. And every single one of them is going to endure martyrdom. I mean, even if St. John, uh, the beloved St. John, even if he dies an old man, you know, a uh, hundred years hence, um, he still um, had to endure martyrdom. the Many times that he was, you know, tortured and suffered persecution for the sake of our Lord. Now, these are the reasons, all right, these three reasons, to strengthen the apostles' faith, to prepare them for the long separation, and to animate them to a spirit of sacrifice, you know, to encourage them, to give them this joy that will make them heroic in his service. And I would propose, and I think it's um, it's something we can probably all agree on, that if our Lord grants us um, these interior visits. If our Lord appears to us, and I don't mean certainly in any kind of mystical visions or anything like that, but our Lord does make his presence felt by the interior consolations, the light, the grace, the strength that he sends us. If our Lord grants us these interior visits, it's for the same reason. It is in order to strengthen our faith. It is to prepare us for the interior separation that's going to come. You know, we have our consolation, our times of consolation, when we have that joy, you know, drawing us in a positive manner towards things eternal. But then there's also times of darkness and desolation. We have that separation. And our Lord, of course, when he grants us those consolations, those interior visits, it's also to animate us to the spirit of sacrifice, to the sacrifices that he will soon ask of us. These are the reasons why our Lord appeared to the apostles and and the holy women and the disciples, and this is the reason why he appears, quote-unquote, to each one of us in prayer. So um, I'm going to leave you then with these three points to to reflect upon and to consider. And I was thinking, since it's only been 18 minutes uh, of a conference, I might just throw this on for... uh, well, just a, a little bonus track. It's a poem titled Limbo by a sister Mary Ada. Um, it was a poem that uh, Father Beck shared with me, and it concerns our Lord uh, and his descent into hell, or his descent, as I mentioned earlier at the start, um, his descent into the limbo of the fathers or the bosom of Abraham. And as I mentioned, we're uh, trying consider the joy that must have flooded the hearts. I mean, what kind of joy or celebration would there be When after thousands of years, you know, waiting for our Lord, suddenly he's there. Um, So listen to the poem and see what you think. So the ancient grayness shifted suddenly and thinned like a mist upon the moors before a wind. An old, old prophet lifted a shining face and said, he will be coming soon. The son of God is dead. He died this afternoon. A murmurous excitement stirred all souls. They wondered if they dreamed save one old man who seemed not even to have heard. And Moses standing hushed them all to ask, if anyone had a welcome song prepared, if not, would David take the task? And if they cared, could not the three young children sing the benedicite, the canticle of praise they made when God kept them from perishing in the fiery blaze? A breath of spring surprised them, stilling Moses' words, no one could speak, remembering the first of fresh flowers, the little singing birds. Still others thought of fields new plowed, or apple trees all blossom-bowed, or some the way a dry bed fills with water laughing down green hills. The fisher-folk dreamed of the foam on bright blue seas, the one old man who had not stirred remembered home. And there he was, splendid as the morning sun and fair, as only God is fair, and they, confused with joy, knelt to a door, seeing that he wore five crimson stars he never had before. No canticle at all was sung, none toned a psalm or raised a greeting song. A silent man alone of all that throng found tongue, not any other. Close to his heart when the embrace was done, old Joseph said, How is your mother? How is your mother, my son? So, this concludes the stay-at-home retreat with Father Asher. We hope uh, you enjoyed it, and we hope that you'll maybe take five or six days to uh, come and make a real retreat out here at St. Aloysius Retreat House or at Our Lady of Sorrows in Phoenix or St. Ignatius Retreat House out in, in Richfield, Connecticut, Whatever's one is, is closest to you. But take the time. It's, it's some of the uh, the best um, best invested days of your life, guaranteed to come and spend spend a week with her, just alone with our Lord, climbing that mountain to be close to Him. So I look forward to seeing you out at St. Alicia's Retreat House in Los Gatos, California sometime soon. I'm Father Asher. Take care and God bless you.